Section One of The Law by Frederick Bastiat. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, in May 2020. The Law by Frederick Bastiat. Section One the law perverted the law and in its wake all the collective forces of the nation the law i say not only diverted from its proper direction but made to pursue one entirely contrary the law become the tool of every kind of avarice instead of being its check the law guilty of that very iniquity which it was its mission to punish truly this is a serious fact if it exists and one to which i feel bound to call the attention of my fellow-citizens we hold from god the gift that as far as we are concerned contains all others life physical intellectual and moral life but life cannot support itself he who has bestowed it has entrusted us with the care of supporting it of developing it and of perfecting it to that end he has provided us with a collection of wonderful faculties he has plunged us into the midst of a variety of elements it is by the application of our faculties to these elements that the phenomena of assimilation and of appropriation by which life pursues the circle that has been assigned to it are realized existence faculties assimilation in other words personality liberty property this is man it is of these three things that it may be said apart from all demagogic subtlety that they are anterior and superior to all human legislation it is not because men have made laws that personality liberty and property exist on the contrary it is because personality liberty and property exist beforehand that men make laws what then is law as i have said elsewhere it is the collective organization of the individual right to lawful defence nature or rather god has bestowed upon every one of us the right to defend his person his liberty and his property since these are the three constituent or preserving elements of life elements each of which is rendered complete by the others and that cannot be understood without them for what are our faculties but the extension of our personality and what is property but an extension of our faculties if every man has the right of defending even by force his person his liberty and his property a number of men have the right to combine together to extend to organize a common force to provide regularly for this defence collective right then has its principle its reason for existing its lawfulness in individual right and the common force cannot rationally have any other end or any other mission than that of the isolated forces for which it is substituted thus as the force of an individual cannot lawfully touch the person the liberty or the property of another individual for the same reason the common force cannot lawfully be used 
to destroy the person the liberty or the property of individuals or of classes for this perversion of force would be in one case as in the other in contradiction to our premises for who will dare to say that force has been given to us not to defend our rights but to annihilate the equal rights of our brethren and if this be not true of every individual force acting independently how can it be true of the collective force which is only the organized union of isolated forces nothing therefore can be more evident than this the law is the organization of the natural right of lawful defense it is the substitution of collective for individual forces for the purpose of acting in the sphere in which they have a right to act of doing what they have a right to do to secure persons liberties and properties and to maintain each in its right so as to cause justice to reign over all and if a people established on this basis were to exist it seems to me that order would prevail among them in their acts as well as in their ideas it seems to me that such a people would have the most simple the most economical the least oppressive the least to be felt the most restrained the most just and consequently the most stable government that could be imagined whatever its political form might be for under such an administration every one would feel that he possessed all the fullness as well as all the responsibility of his existence so long as personal safety was insured so long as labor was free and the fruits of labor secured against all unjust attacks no one would have any difficulties to contend with in the state when prosperous we should not it is true have to thank the state for our success but when unfortunate we should no more think of taxing it with our disasters than our peasants think of attributing to it the arrival of hail or of frost we should know it only by the inestimable blessing of safety it may further be affirmed that thanks to the non-intervention of the state in private affairs our wants and their satisfactions would develop themselves in their natural order we should not see poor families seeking for literary instruction before they were supplied with bread we should not see towns peopled at the expense of rural districts nor rural districts at the expense of towns we should not see those great displacements of capital of labor and of population that legislative measures occasion displacements that render so uncertain and precarious the very sources of existence and thus enlarge to such an extent the responsibility of governments unhappily law is by no means confined to its own sphere nor is it merely in some ambiguous and debatable views that it has left its proper sphere it has done more than this it has acted in direct opposition to its proper end it has destroyed its own object it has been employed in annihilating that justice which it ought to have established in effacing amongst rights that limit which it was its true mission to respect it has placed the collective force in the service of those who wish to traffic without risk and without scruple in the persons the liberty and the property of others it has converted plunder into a right that it may protect it and lawful defence into a crime that it may punish it how has this perversion of law been accomplished 
and what has resulted from it the law has been perverted through the influence of two very different causes naked greed and misconceived philanthropy let us speak of the former self-preservation and development is the common aspiration of all men in such a way that if every one enjoyed the free exercise of his faculties and the free disposition of their fruits social progress would be incessant uninterrupted inevitable but there is also another disposition which is common to them this is to live and to develop when they can at the expense of one another this is no rash imputation emanating from a gloomy uncharitable spirit history bears witness to the truth of it by the incessant wars the migrations of races sectarian oppressions the universality of slavery the frauds in trade and the monopolies with which the annals abound this fatal disposition has its origin in the very constitution of man in that primitive and universal and invincible sentiment that urges it towards its well-being and makes it seek to escape pain man can only derive life and enjoyment from a perpetual search and appropriation that is from a perpetual application of his faculties to objects or from labor this is the origin of property but also he may live and enjoy by seizing and appropriating the productions of the faculties of his fellow-men this is the origin of plunder now labor being in itself a pain and man being naturally inclined to avoid pain it follows and history proves it that wherever plunder is less burdensome than labor it prevails and neither religion nor morality can in this case prevent it from prevailing when does plunder cease then when it becomes more burdensome and more dangerous than labor it is very evident that the proper aim of law is to oppose the fatal tendency to plunder with the powerful obstacle of collective force that all its measures should be in favor of property and against plunder but the law is made generally by one man or by one class of men and as law cannot exist without the sanction and the support of a preponderant force it must finally place this force in the hands of those who legislate this inevitable phenomenon combined with the fatal tendency that we have said exists in the heart of man explains the almost universal perversion of law it is easy to conceive that instead of being a check upon injustice it becomes its most invincible instrument it is easy to conceive that according to the power of the legislator it destroys for its own profit and in different degrees amongst the rest of the community personal independence by slavery liberty by oppression and property by plunder it is in the nature of men to rise against the injustice of which they are the victims when therefore plunder is organized by law for the profit of those who perpetrate it all the plundered classes tend either by peaceful or revolutionary means to enter in some way into the manufacturing of laws these classes according to the degree of enlightenment at which they have arrived may propose to themselves two very different ends when they thus attempt the attainment of their political rights either they may wish to put an end to lawful plunder 
or they may desire to take part in it woe to the nation where this latter thought prevails among the masses at the moment when they in their turn seize upon the legislative power up to that time lawful plunder has been exercised by the few upon the many as in the case in countries where the right of legislating is confined to a few hands but now it has become universal and the equilibrium is sought in universal plunder the injustice that society contains instead of being rooted out of it is generalized as soon as the injured classes have recovered their political rights their first thought is not to abolish plunder this would suppose them to possess enlightenment which they cannot have but to organize against the other classes and to their own detriment a system of reprisals as if it were necessary before the reign of justice arrives that all should undergo a cruel retribution some for their iniquity and some for their ignorance it would be impossible therefore to introduce into society a greater change and a greater evil than this the conversion of the law into an instrument of plunder what would be the consequences of such a perversion it would require volumes to describe them all we must content ourselves with pointing out the most striking in the first place it would efface from everybody's conscience the distinction between justice and injustice no society can exist unless the laws are respected to a certain degree but the safest way to make them respected is to make them respectable when law and morality are in contradiction to each other the citizen finds himself in the cruel alternative of either losing his moral sense or of losing his respect for the law two evils of equal magnitude between which it would be difficult to choose it is so much in the nature of law to support justice that in the minds of the masses they are one and the same there is in all of us a strong disposition to regard what is lawful as legitimate so much so that many falsely derive all justice from law it is sufficient then for the law to order and sanction plunder that it may appear to many consciences just and sacred slavery protection and monopoly find defenders not only in those who profit by them but in those who suffer by them if you suggest a doubt as to the morality of these institutions it is said directly you are a dangerous experimenter a utopian a theorist a despiser of the laws you would shake the basis upon which society rests if you lecture upon morality or political economy official bodies will be found to make this request to the government that henceforth science be taught not only with sole reference to free exchange to liberty property and justice as has been the case up to the present time but also and especially with reference to the facts and legislation contrary to liberty property and justice that regulate french industry that in public lecterns salaried by the treasury the professor abstain rigorously from endangering in the slightest degree the respect due to the laws now in force so that if a law exists that sanctions slavery or monopoly oppression or plunder in any form whatever it must not be mentioned for how can it be mentioned without damaging the respect that it inspires still further morality and political economy must be taught in connection with this law 
that is under the supposition that it must be just only because it is law end of section one